I'm Luke Summerhays, and I love Wingle. I grew up in the UK. Despite its inflated opinion of itself, the British Isles are small little islands in the sea. This means you are never more than 60 miles from the coast at any given moment, and subsequently it feels like you are never more than 6 feet from a seagull. They are everywhere, making a racket, eating out of bins, stealing chips right out of your hands at the beach. In particular, my secondary school had a lot of seagulls. They were countless, but among them there was a legend. The playground story, well known among my classmates, was that there was a giant seagull, much bigger than the others, which could sometimes be seen. We called it Big Bertha. Now, I already had a lifelong obsession with cryptids. Your Bigfoots, your Loch Ness Monsters, your Makolo and Bembe's. I somehow obtained permission to film a little documentary and show it in my school's assembly, and was trusted enough that my teachers did not watch it in advance. Naturally, I filled it with comedy interviews where I played wacky characters, crude jokes which were funny only to a 13-year-old, and other nonsense. I wasn't allowed to show movies in assembly again after that, and for years after, kids I didn't know would come up to me and say, Hey, you're the seagull boy! Pokemon seagull boy, or girl, is Wingle, a little flying and water-type bird with a tiny round body and long wings. It glides or hovers on updrafts like an albatross. One of our theories was that Big Bertha was an albatross, though we certainly found no evidence of that when filming our documentary. Pokedex entries for Wingo, like with all early bird Pokemon, are quite unremarkable nature facts, though they have some fun personality to them. Pokemon Ruby tells us, Wingo has the habit of carrying prey and valuables in its beak and hiding them in all sorts of locations. This Pokemon rides the winds and flies as if it were skating across the sky. Pokemon Sapphire tells us, Wingle rides updrafts rising from the sea by extending its long and narrow wings to glide. This Pokemon's long beak is useful for catching prey. And Pokemon Emerald tells us, It makes its nest on a sheer cliff at the edge of the sea. It has trouble keeping its wings flapping in flight. Instead, it soars on updrafts. The habit of carrying things in its beak is reflected in the games and anime, where Wingull are often depicted carrying letters or deliveries of items between people and towns, sometimes forming little subquests for players to find their dropped items and things. Most famous of all Wingull is Pico, the beloved pet of Mr. Briny, whose boat both the player and Ash rode in. Pico was captured by Team Aqua or Magma, depending on the game, this serving as one of the earliest crimes the player interrupts in the Hoenn games. The name Wingull, of course, just combines wing and gull. The Japanese name, Kamome, is even simpler. Kamome is just the Japanese name for a gull. I never saw it happen when I was filming, but at level 25, a seagull could become a Big Bertha, and a Wingull can evolve into Pelipper. Pelipper is a huge bird with an enormous bulging bill, like an exaggeration of a real-life pelican. Real pelicans are not closely related to seagulls, 
though they are both white birds that eat fish, so I guess it makes a kind of sense. The name Pelipper comes from Pelican, of course, though the latter part could be from Skipper, as Pelipper is a captain among Wingulls, or perhaps from Chopper, as it performs a transport role not unlike a helicopter. The name is the same in English and Japanese. Pokemon Ruby tells us, Pelipper is a flying transporter that carries small Pokemon and eggs inside its massive bill. This Pokemon builds its nest on steep cliffs facing the sea. And Pokemon Sapphire tells us, Pelipper searches for food while in flight by skimming the wave tops. This Pokemon dips its large bill in the sea to scoop up food, then swallows everything in one big gulp. Like the stalk that delivers babies, Pelipper has appeared in a number of side games, manga, and anime to deliver items and mail. In the anime episode, You Said a Mouthful, Pelipper even hid smaller Pokémon inside its bill, so it could appear to perform unusual fire and electric attacks. In its earlier game appearances, Pelipper was only notable for its use of the move Stockpile, Swallow, and Spit Up, which allowed it to gather food in its big mouth, and then eventually either eat it for health, or shoot it at opponents for massive damage. Later, Pelipper gained the ability Drizzle, and became invaluable on competitive rain-based teams during formats in which Kyogre was unavailable. Hi, Luke Loves Pokemon. It's Jonathan, the composer of the podcast. Hope you're enjoying Generation 3 uh, as much as I did when I was 13 years old. Um, today I want to talk about Wingull and Pelipper, and I want to talk about them in context of the games and their difficulty. Because, you know, I must admit, Wingull and Pelipper, not two of my favourite Pokemon. Alright? They're, they're, they're fine. One's a seagull, one's a pelican, you know, very much an example of uh, Pokemon taking a real world animal, changing it minimally, and hey presto, it's Pokemon, sometimes. Um, I know that Pelipper now has a sort of niche in competitive Pokemon because um, it can make it rain. Uh, but, you know, at the time, that, uh, when I was a very, very small child, that wasn't enough, at the age of 13, so a reasonably big child, that wasn't enough to do it for me. No, uh, what was enough to do it for me was that uh, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire were hard. Like, they were very, very difficult Pokemon games. I, I know that Diamond and Pearl is sort of... Uh, well, actually, Diamond and Pearl, and then Black and White, and especially Black 2, White 2, with Iris as the champion, has sort of been held up as sort of bastions of difficulty. But I kind of knew what I was doing then. I was sort of a bit older, I'd had a bit more Pokemon experience. At the age of 12, I was sort of 13, I was still a very sort of... I was a, I was a large child. I, I didn't really know what I, I was doing. And, as, and I found that the gym leaders always sort of tended to be five levels higher than the Pokemon team I had. Until I got to round about Fortree City and Winona, even, even then, you know, the gym leaders were a struggle. They're, for possibly, well definitely, you know, more so than the modern day games, they seem to know what moves to pick and what were the most effective ones. And with a sort of team of five levels lower per, per Pokemon, gym leaders were tough. Like Ruby and Sapphire gym leaders were tough. And that's where Wingo slash Polypa came in. Um, so Wingold kind of helps out with the first two you know, gym leaders a bit. You know, a, a water gun would normally destroy Roxanne's Geodude, even if it would then get obliterated by nose pass. Um, and Wing Attack would sort of, or, and Supersonic would at least do some damage against all these people, even if Wingold had pretty forgettable attack. 
But the real import was that by the time you got to Gym, uh, gym 5, your dad, Norman, and his own team of two slackings and a, and a Vigoroth, Wingull had evolved into Polypa. Uh, I think it's sort of 25, um, and it automatically gained Protect. And Protect, even with Polypa's pathetic sort of attack and special attack, and Water Gun doing almost nothing, Protect made that first slacking useless. Like, uh, give, it a, give it a leper berry, allow it to sort of re uh, regain Protect's PP halfway through, through, uh, through the battle, and it could just sort of stall that first slacking out. And then you had sort of two. It was, it was much easier once you were dealing with two Pokemon versus five, because then Polypa was all but useless once you, once you were done, as opposed to three Pokemon versus six, and two of them were bloody slacking. So I, I've, I'll always have a soft spot for Wingull and Polypa for that, even though they're my favourite designs, and even though my Polypa always got ditched the moment I finished Norman. I always had a, a, a Wingull and a Polypa in my Ruby and Sapphire team in order to get me that far. And for that, I salute the little bird. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, I'll see you, I think, next time to talk about routes. Another friend of the show, Mikey from Pokemon Crossroads, also got in touch to talk about his experiences with Wingo. When I first started Ruby and Sapphire, I saw this bird on the side of a beach. Though our romance didn't last long, Eventually I boxed this Pokemon for more interesting new Pokemon that I met in Hoenn. Cue Pokemon Sun. I was on my way to Professor Kukui when I decided to hit the grass to see what new Pokemon I would find there. It was there that I spotted a Wingull. I thought it was pretty cool to see such an old friend on the sandy beaches of Alola. But then I saw something. A giant star! I was like, wait, is that a shiny? How is it a shiny? With the squinting of my eyes, I saw tiny green bands on the wings. My eyes went wide as I encountered my first ever shiny Pokemon, since who knows how long? Maybe Crystal? Either way, I wasn't going to let this one get away. Eventually, I caught it and decided to keep this Wingull on my son team. Eventually, we made it to Ula Ula, where my Wingull finally evolved. We were in the wild grass, and I was training my Pelipper. I sent out my Pelipper, and the giant shiny star appeared. Though, it was raining. At first I was like, well I guess it can rain on this route, that's fine. It will only make my newly evolved Pelipper's attacks hit harder. We finished the battle and got back to the overworld, but there was no rain. I thought it was strange, but went on to the next battle, and the rain came back. It was at that moment that I realised something. Did Game Freak give this, at best average bird, Drizzle? The fabled Drizzle ability that was once on the mighty titans of Hoenn? They couldn't have! Pelipper never had this ability before. My face was shocked, as I realised that I had hit the jackpot. I had a shiny, drizzle Pelipper. A journey with a Pokemon that I thought was pretty average at first, ended with me having a newfound amazement over a decade later. How this brave bird weathers any storm it will create to be that shiny beacon in battle. Commanding hurricanes with a flap of a wing to prove that it was not just an average girl. I may have realised it too late, but I am glad that I decided to walk into a patch of grass on the whim to meet such an amazing bird friend. Thanks, Mikey. I never conclusively found my Big Bertha, and I'm glad Mikey was able to find a rare and unique seagull of his own, though. Music for Luke Lost Pokemon was composed by Jonathan Cromie. Artwork for the show is by Katie Groves. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to help keep it online, 
please consider supporting at patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastius. Although, I'm actually now making enough on my Patreon to cover all of my outgoings for podcasts, so I'll have to think of new rewards and things if I want more of you to give me money. While you're there, though, you can check out the other podcasts me and my friends create. I also love it when listeners get in touch. Hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at LukeLovesPKMN. I want to hear all about why you love these monsters, whether it's a Pokemon we've already covered, or one that's coming up. Next up are Routes and Surskit, so please let me know your thoughts on those. I love Wingull. And remember, I love you too.